Hi, my name is Nina. And I'm Nicholas. And this is the Immortality Cast. We are translators and rejuvenation enthusiasts, and this is our podcast about longevity, rejuvenation, and immortality. We make episodes in these topics in three languages, English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Today we will talk with uh, two people uh, who work on Helis. Uh, it's a, a entity from Belgium that uh, uh, is, is very active in the rejuvenation field. Uh, so we will talk with Didier, Didier Cornel, uh, who is um, founder and co-chair of the entity. Um, he's also member of the board of Humanity Plus. And we'll talk with uh, Marion Stenaker, uh, who is a biologist and work in Hillis as well. So um, first, uh, we would like to make a, a small uh, introduction with you, but uh, we would like to, to tell our audience that uh, later in, the, in, in, this, in this video, we will talk about uh, uh, an update about uh, the experiments of uh, lifespan uh, with rats, which are being carried out uh, by Harold Kutcher and Rodolfo Goya in India and Argentina, respectively. So uh, first, to give a, a brief context, uh, maybe we would like to, to make some general questions for you. Yeah, uh, so first you both work at Hillis or the Healthy Life Extension Society, right? Uh, I, I know that Hillis produces a newsletter, uh, it funds scientific research in the rejuvenation field and also promotes lectures and, and conferences. Uh, so is that correct? Is that what uh, Hillis does? Uh, what exactly uh, do Hillis does to to help the rejuvenation area. Yes, that's uh, what you said. So the, the biggest uh, things that we are doing at the moment, it's, uh, yes, there is this uh, monthly newsletter now in uh, French, uh, Dutch, uh, English, and uh, German. Uh, then uh, we organize uh, conferences, uh, well, until uh, a few, uh, until two years ago, before the, the COVID, it was, uh, uh, in real life conferences, but no, of course, uh, they are mainly uh, conferences online. And uh, well, it has uh, uh, some difficult aspects, but uh, it has also more positive aspects. It's easier to have uh, sometimes well-known uh, people. It's easier to uh, organize. It's of course less expensive. Well, but we have less direct contacts. Um, we also, like you say, we will speak more about this uh, 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 font, but it's with not a lot of money. Actually, it's money coming from, from me. Uh, so we are funding some uh, rejuvenation uh, experiments. And uh, we have one uh, monthly meeting uh, with uh, Sven Bilterreis is the co-chair of uh, Hills. And he's, a, I would say, a real scientist because uh, like uh, uh, Marion uh, and Virginie, who is not here, they are real scientists. I'm, uh, I study law. <laughs> So, but it's only my passion, not my, not my uh, full-time job. Uh, so uh, Sven Bultureis is uh, making something called uh, scientific news of the month. So each month uh, he's describing 
let's say the the biggest advance is concerning uh, uh, scientific articles and then we have also many uh, other contacts i would say uh, a little bit like uh, what uh, lifespan.io is doing but they are they are bigger so kind of uh, activism uh, european activism uh, world activism um, we are also member of the international Longevity Alliance that you probably know uh, with uh, Ilya Stambler, with uh, Edouard de Bonneuil, with other people. So that's it in a, in a few words. Uh, but uh, probably, uh, so Marion is, is here uh, in the organization only since four, four months. So what she will say more, maybe in one or two sentences would be uh, even more interesting because somebody just coming, it's, it's always interesting. Well, I think we we would like to to uh, enter on the on the uh, subject that many people in the rejuvenation field are interested in, and in fact, me and Nina are interested uh, as well very much. That uh, that that subject is the uh, experiments that uh, Hillis is supporting uh, regarding the lifespan of rats uh, with. Uh, uh, Dr. Harold Katcher uh, and Dr. Rodolfo Goya. So in order people uh, understand a bit the, the context, Hillis uh, announced uh, some months ago that uh, these two experiments will be carried out. Uh, uh, the Harold Katcher experiments uh, occurs in, in India with his supervision and uh, it has eight treated rats and eight untreated rats. I mean, the controls are eight rats. So mm -hmm. uh, the, the um, compound that uh, Harold is using in this, uh, in this experiment is a proprietary uh, compound that Harold um, discovered. So from the side of uh, Rodolfo Goya, Rodolfo Goya is uh, using nine uh, treated rats and eight untreated rats. Uh, and uh, the, the compound Rodolfo Goya is using is uh, young plasma, plasma from young rats. So uh, all, all the rats were 25 months old when the experiment started and, um, and they are receiving these, these compounds in order to see uh, the total lifespan in comparison with the controls. So we would like to ask you uh, first, uh, when uh, exactly both experiments started and how uh, many rats are still alive in the, treated in the treated group and the control group in both experiments? I will leave it to uh, uh, Marion to tell you precisely because she knows that better than, than uh, I do. And after that, I will have some more comments, probably. Yeah, sure. So uh, for so far, uh, in the Rodolfo Goya groups, we have uh, seven uh, control rats that uh, are dead. So only one is still alive. And uh, we have six treated uh, rats that are still alive. So three rats dead. So that's a little bit from so it's really good because for the moment uh, only the control died uh, before uh, the treated one 
And the experiment starts around uh, November uh, 20. So uh, that's, uh, and after, so maybe like three, three months after, so in June, uh, January, uh, Arol uh, Catcher starts his experiment. And so far, all the rats are alive. So six, the, all the 16 rats, so eight controlled and eight uh, treated one, are still alive for, for the moment. So uh, the experiment of Haro started in, uh, on, in January. Yes. And, and Rodolphus started Be, on... Uh, start before, in no November. November. Okay. Actually, if I can add something uh, just about, so it was really great that uh, I was uh, able to meet, uh, well, to meet online, of course, uh, Rodolfo, because he had some uh, old rats and nothing to do with, uh, with them. So, uh, old, uh, well, by the way, uh, all uh, rats are female rats and they live a little bit longer than male rats, like uh, humans uh, live a little bit, uh, uh, like women live a little bit longer than men. Um, that's the first thing I, I want to say. And the second thing I want to say is uh, um, I, I was really very surprised uh, that it was uh, that uh, the, the convoys, we will speak about the convoys uh, after, I suppose, and that uh, our old catcher uh, was not, were not starting experiments to check if they are beautiful uh, uh, tests on uh, the, on lifespan. So it was, uh, um, it's thanks to, uh, among other people, uh, Aubrey de Grey that I contacted and also thanks to um, oh, I, um, Walter uh, Compton that I could contact uh, these people and that I could convince them uh, to start the experiments. And uh, I have to say that the contacts uh, with uh, Rodolfo are really great. He is giving us uh, very uh, complete information, uh, all details, uh, videos, and so on. And the contact with, uh, uh, with our catcher, and especially with a woman there in, uh, in India, where the situation for COVID-19 is uh, very bad, uh, are also good. They give, give, us, they give us all uh, also uh, information for let's say uh, a funding, but it's not a so big amount of money. It's $25,000 for each uh, for, for so, such a, an important experiment. It's not so much money. Uh, okay, so, um, so based on what you're saying, the results with uh, the experiment from Rodolfo are very promising. And uh, one thing that we'd like to ask is if both the experiments uh, achieve good results. Uh, do you contemplate the possibility of doing a follow-up study? Uh, for example, Rodolfo always says that uh, it may be easier or, or faster to do a experiment to, to extend the reproductive uh, lifespan of female rats because uh, they usually reprodu reproduce until they are 10 months old. Uh, but if they are treated, for example, at four months of age, uh, maybe they can be they can get pregnant at 13 months of age, for example. Uh, so this would be an experiment experiment uh, easier to to conduct, probably. So what do you think about that? Yeah, Mario, maybe first, and then I will. Yes. So the the point, the main uh, goal of the study right now about the effect of young rat plasma on the lifespan is 
just allow us the result allow us to close doors and so if the results and this is the case right now are really good maybe it's a good idea to uh, continue with the 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 experiment that like you say about the the reproductive uh, aspects so uh, yes that's that's in uh, that's one of the, our goal is to continue in this way and to go further yes uh, like you said uh, nina um, and like uh, rodolfo is saying uh, it could be uh, really interesting to test uh, on the fertility of uh, female rats because uh, this is uh, only for uh, the, the female rats uh, uh, stop to be uh, fertile after about uh, 12 months. So, uh, and of course, it's uh, cheaper to do this experiment because uh, old rats, you have to keep them alive uh, 20, during 24, uh, 24 months before you can start the experiment. So it's more expensive. Uh, on the other side, uh, uh, of course, it's less convincing to have uh, rats uh, still uh, fertile than to have uh, rats uh, still alive after uh, a long time. But it would be, we would have uh, results uh, uh, fast. And then if there is, a, let's say, a second confirmation, uh, yeah, we would go, uh, I, 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 I would say if there is a second confirmation, I hope that uh, people with more money, with more, uh, yeah, uh, more, uh, even uh, let's say uh, scientific uh, background more than I, uh, not more than uh, Rodolfo, that they will go further, that they, that they will uh, uh, try to, uh, to, to multiply the experiments. That's very important because concerning, uh, uh, for example, the product of, uh, um, uh, sorry, of uh, catcher, normally they will already start. And also with the, the convoys, normally they will already start with humans. But I don't understand that they are not going further with animals. Uh, another uh, thing I, I thought about is that uh, the um, two, two of the rats of Rodolfo, uh, the treated rats, uh, because uh, until now three treated uh, rats died from 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 nine nine, but uh, two of them. Uh, we talked earlier with, with Rodolfo, and he told us that two of the uh, treated rats died very soon in the experiments, in the second and, and third week. So this will be uh, uh, the, the 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 average of lifespan of the treated rat is a bit um, uh, lower than it could be otherwise, and. Rodolfo told us that maybe this could indicate that young plasma needs uh, some time to start to make effect. I mean, uh, those rats were uh, 25 months old already, and maybe they are they were already uh, in in bad shape physically. So uh, bad condition. Right? Yeah. So uh, a hypothesis of Rodolfo is that. The rats uh, uh, didn't have have time to uh, uh, make uh, use the, the yeah the, yeah sure sure but on the other side we have to be careful because it's a very small number of animals so it could be also that it's such bad shades that uh, with the plasma they are living longer so uh, 
we will see. It's it's also how long will they live uh, uh, after the control? No, after that, uh, especially the treated rats. Uh, yeah, that's that's the important thing. And also, until now, these these rats are only uh, thirty months, about thirty months. And for uh, rats, uh, it's not so old. So, you see, I, I, I. Of course, I prefer this situation to the situation where where treated rats uh, would die as soon. But it's not like uh, it, it's perfect already. Uh, we will see. So I think we can now uh, move a bit away from the experiments and talk a bit more about uh, helis and the rejuvenation field in general. Uh, so, Didier, uh, as we said, you are a co-chair and founder of Helis, and I think you mentioned previously in another interview that you used to work in initiatives regarding hunger, I think, and you said that you are, you are a lawyer, right? You, you studied law, so uh, it's interesting for us to know uh, about a bit about your previous work and how you came into the longevity field. Okay, uh, I like to tell this story because, uh, yes, uh, since I'm uh, 20, 18 years old, I give a big part of uh, I, I gave a big part of my money uh, to uh, uh, for uh, people where where uh, sorry for yeah for people in countries where people are dying from uh, because they don't have enough to eat. And I was always uh, thinking, OK, I give this money for that and also to fight against uh, diseases that are easy to uh, stop. And uh, about, uh, yeah, no, already uh, more than 12 years ago, I was asking myself, yeah, but what are the uh, diseases that are easy to stop? And then at this time, I discovered that there were people like Obedeway, like Nick Bostrom, like many others now, uh, but at this time it was a, a smaller number than now, uh, that there were people who were, who, uh, were saying that it uh, could be and that it should be possible to stop uh, aging. And that's where I uh, really, uh, let's say, uh, discovered uh, this world. And uh, I decided uh, first to invite uh, Aubrey de Grey uh, for a conference in, uh, in Brussels, and then I uh, we I met there uh, Sven uh, Bultereis, and there we created this organization. Uh, that's uh, that's the way it was uh, working. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I still think uh, hunger in the world uh, is uh, something that we have we have to fight against it, and I still give some money for that. But uh, yes, uh, uh, happily. The number of people uh, really having not enough to eat in the world is only, well, it's much too much, but only 1 billion. And uh, the number of people who are uh, slowly dying of aging, that's uh, almost uh, 6 million. Mm -hmm. <laughs> almost everybody, slowly. Yeah, so it's interesting because uh, we also uh, came to the rejuvenation field because of Aubrey de Grey, because of his, because Nicholas actually. <laughs> He saw his videos on YouTube, his TED Talks. Uh, so he's a, a really important person, right, in, in this field. And uh, yeah. So actually, the, the person who convinced me the first that was uh, his uh, uh, Nick Bostrom. Mm -hmm. Nick Bostrom is also a founder of the transhumanist movement. It's also a specialist of uh, 
the questions related to artificial intelligence. And it's when I read uh, uh, his kind of uh, short story, uh, The Death of the Dragon Tyrant. So it's uh, in one world where there are 100 people dying because they are killed by dragon and the dragon is a metaphor for uh, aging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we're talking also with Marion, uh, it's interesting for us to know uh, you are a biologist, right? Uh, how did you came into contact with this field and with Hillis? So, um, so I, um, I'm, I'm really new in this kind of uh, subject, aging, longevity, and so, so on, because uh, at uh, my master thesis, uh, I was uh, working on sea turtles in Malaysia. So it's a different uh, topic at all. And um, due to the COVID uh, pandemic, I was uh, searching for a, a job and in Brussels and home working. And so, because I didn't have the opportunity to travel uh, to Malaysia to continue my research over there. So that's why uh, I met DJ and Ilse and uh, I learned a lot about longevity, aging, and uh, that's why I'm here and uh, I'm learning every day about it. And it's really interesting. And I, I, will, I would like to continue in this, uh, in this way right now. Okay. Great news. <laughs> we need a lot, a lot of people in the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, uh, one thing we would like to, to know about Hillis is, uh, uh, is how is the governance in Hillis? Because there are many uh, institutions in the world of various types. And uh, we would like to know uh, how, who, who is in charge of, of, of Hillis, if it's a foundation, um, an NGO, how is the, the governance of Hillis? Yeah, so it's a small organization. Uh, that's, uh, I, I would say most uh, organizations in the longevity field are small organization. So it's an NGO, so it means uh, there is no uh, goal of uh, winning money. And uh, the, the two more active people is uh, Sven Bultorais and uh, myself. And uh, there, are a few, uh, there are other people, but not a big number of people. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. And uh, like I said already, uh, I'm, uh, Hills is also a part of the International Longevity Alliance. Uh, this is, an, let's say, an association of other organizations. And uh, we are working uh, together a lot, uh, especially with uh, Ilias Tambler, Eduardo de Bonnet, uh, other, uh, other active people. And uh, in this association, there is also a sense from Aubre de Grey with uh, Maria Entregues, probably you know her. Um, so uh, yes, uh, once again, it's a small organization. And I want to insist, uh, I don't want uh, my goal is not to make hills uh, bigger. My goal is to make uh, uh, um, healthy longevity uh, coming uh, sooner. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, one other thing that I would like to ask, um, because in Germany, there is uh, an initiative from Felix Werf that yes, he, yes. he created a party that wants sure. to, to promote healthy longevity. Uh, we are we're, we were wondering if 
Helis, maybe uh, RDDA, I don't know if you have uh, this kind of idea to do something similar in Belgium. Yeah. So, uh, so first, uh, I know uh, Felix Wert and uh, his Partei for Gesundheitsforschung, pretty so party for um, uh, science for health, uh, pretty good. And I've been, for example, collecting the signatures uh, with, uh, for him uh, in uh, Germany because to be candidate for the elections, uh, he needs uh, each time uh, uh, signatures. I would say uh, there are two two big possible ways uh, on the political side uh, to try to make uh, things uh, progress. One is to create an organization with uh, people elected. And the other one is to go uh, to people already politically active and to try to convince them. So both are uh, interesting, both are good. Uh, and uh, yeah, in, in Belgium, I think we are, uh, let's say, uh, uh, too small organization to try this way. But once again, uh, uh, I will continue to support uh, Felix uh, uh, by collecting signatures after the COVID maybe, <laughs> but uh, also financially. And, uh, and I'm, I, I'm a member of, uh, of the, the Partei for Gesundheitsforschung. Uh, of course, it's symbolic because most activities are in German and I understand only a little bit of uh, German. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I have uh, many, many contacts with, uh, but, but speak with uh, uh, Felix Wert, but it's not answering to your question, but I want to say that uh, um, Attila Xordas at the moment has an initiative called, uh, uh, I, I don't know the precise name, but it's uh, in, in, in Europe, you have uh, one, you have debates about the future of Europe. And in these debates uh, open to citizens, people can uh, put uh, proposals and, uh, um, he, uh, sorry, Attila Xordas, it's a Hungarian guy living in, uh, in the UK, uh, and longevist and scientist uh, made a kind of, uh, made, a, made a text to promote scientific uh, research at the European level. And uh, this text will normally come, go, uh, go to the competent uh, um, organizations at the European Union level and be discussed. So that's the other way I would say, but once again, both, both ways are interesting. Uh, so if I knew that it's possible to create uh, some uh, movement in Belgium and to go uh, for the elections, uh, yeah, even if I have other uh, political affiliation, I'm a member of the Green Movement in Belgium, but uh, I would uh, promote this, uh, but uh, trying to convince people, uh, trying to convince people politically active at the European level is for me one big priority, not easy priority, but one big priority because at the moment in the world, in Europe and in the world, there is no one public organization who has as an explicit goal to uh, rejuvenate people to make scientific research against uh, aging. And this, this should come. There is nothing, uh, not at the World uh, Health Organization, uh, not at the European level, not in the US. The, there is the National Institute of uh, Aging in the US, but well, they study aging, they don't fight against aging. Uh, but uh, Didier, he, he... 
uh, one thing I was uh, thinking about, uh, you are on Brussels. You are located on the uh, city in which, yeah, there is the European Parliament and and everything uh, the else. Uh, like uh, maybe uh, it would be easier for you to organize a um, like a, a lobby group, like a, a yeah, yeah, of to... course, of course. That that was the kind of thing that I was saying with uh, Attila Xordas. Uh, we are uh, doing that, and when the, the the name of the symposium on healthy aging that we organize each two years is Euro Symposium on Healthy Aging. So it's not by chance that we choose this uh, European na name, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, being in Brussels make makes it uh, easier. Well made it easier before uh, COVID-19 because now it <laughs> doesn't change anything but okay be before yeah I was very often uh, going to uh, uh, meetings at the, in the European parliaments uh, there are many debates but having many contacts uh, is not enough to convince people uh, it's uh, you, you know there are uh, many uh, lobbyists in uh, there are thousands of lobbyists in uh, in Brussels, in all domains, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but sure, sure, it's uh, it's uh, I am lucky. Uh, we are lucky to be to be in Brussels. Uh, uh, it's here for for work, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one other thing that I would like to ask is about how Hillis is funded, uh, because. Uh, there are several foundations or organizations in the rejuvenation field and in your website uh, it says there is a membership that is 25 euros per yeah year. yeah so let's uh, be honest well the let's say to make uh, to make an organization work it doesn't cost uh, anything so this, this is uh, but uh, for the the funding of the activities, Big, uh, uh, big conference and so on. Uh, it's uh, coming from my money, so I give money to the NGO. Uh, we don't have. We have uh, uh, until now. We have a few people who donated uh, some money, but uh, not a lot. So the money is coming from my pocket. Uh, I don't have so much, but I have uh, some. <laughs> uh, one thing um, the, in the rejuvenation field that that, that are many ways to, 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 to fund uh, science. I mean, there are uh, uh, state grants, for example, there are um, private companies uh, uh, with uh, a profit goal who, which invest. There are NGOs, there are uh, foundations such as Aubrey de Great uh, Foundation. I mean, there are Basically, uh, as I understand, these three types: the state, the private for-profit companies, and the uh, NGOs foundation. And uh, I would like to know uh, uh, how do you uh, evaluate these three ways to fund uh, science, the, the rejuvenation science, and um, how is the relative importance between these? these three ways and and beyond that uh, I would like to know if you think one of those three is more uh, relevant 
uh, and more in indicated for the advance of rejuvenation field? Yeah, what I'm going to say is only my opinion because, uh, you know, it's kind of a political question at the end of the day. So, uh, but I would say, sadly, at the moment, there are no, there are, we don't have three kinds of organizations because there are no public, there are public organizations who are working on aging, but they are not working against, uh, to, to defeat aging. So they are not really working on the rejuvenation field. Well, there are a few ex ex exceptions like uh, uh, where they can be a little bit active, but not really, they will not say it anyway. So, uh, so the, the question is restricted to uh, NGOs and for-profit organizations. Uh, I, well, I think that uh, and, uh, NGOs are very, very uh, useful, uh, especially to, to, to make people aware of the problematics, uh, to make uh, good uh, information, to share more information. And uh, well, private uh, organizations, well, they have more money. That's, uh, but there, there is a big problem uh, that we can see uh, at the moment with the COVID-19 is uh, these uh, big, uh, big and small companies. There are many startups also. Uh, these big and small companies, uh, they're kind of maybe not their ultimate goal, but one important goal for them is to make money. So they need patents or they need uh, uh, non-disclosure agreements and uh, things like that uh, who are keeping uh, things uh, secret and uh, science is advancing uh, less fast for, for this. Well, for example, well, on the positive uh, side, Harold uh, Katcher uh, accepted to make the test uh, with the two, uh, uh, the, the, with the rats and that's great and we will see the results, but he doesn't want to say what's in this product, you know, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the convoys also, they are testing things. Uh, what they were, they were doing, the, the, so the convoys are doing experiments with mice, uh, plasma and albumin, and they say that uh, the effect was uh, really great on uh, mice, uh, but uh, they didn't want to go uh, to test really the lifespan. And uh, yeah, they have also products that they are, they are going to sell. So it's, yeah, my, uh, in a best world situation, for me, it would be organized by uh, uh, even at the level of the, the WHO uh, or to, to have public-funded research uh, for longevity, but it will not be like that uh, in, a, in a close future. So, so let's say if there is one uh, private organization who finds something, well, after a while they will share it. I, well, they will, yeah. It will be so important that they will have to share it. Yeah. That's my conviction. Many, many startups uh, also who say we have a great uh, solution, but uh, yeah, they are also advertising, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I'm asking you because uh, the, the, I think the generation of, of knowledge is, is, the, is, the, is the goal and uh, doesn't matter how it, it happens. But uh, uh, every kind of uh, uh, economic organization has his uh, upsides and the, the downsides. And I have the impression that they are in certain ways complementary. So 
it would be it would be important that, uh, that, that, that these three uh, legs of the uh, yeah. of the uh, uh, the, the machine could work like the the state the private yeah. uh, companies and the uh, third sector the NGOs yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay so you mentioned that, uh, some uh, lines of research from the regeneration field, right? There, there are a lot of lines. There's uh, Damage Repair by Aubrey de Grey. There's Young Plasma Fraction by Harold Katcher. There's uh, Partial Cellular Reprogramming by David Sinclair. There's Gene Therapy by George Church. Uh, Telomere Lengthening by Bill Andrews. Uh, Plasma Dilution by The Comboys. So there are a lot of lines. Uh, do you have an opinion on which uh, line of research do you think is more promising in the field? And uh, what are the chances for these lines to, to succeed? This is kind of a paradox because at the moment I'm, uh, we are following more uh, all things related to blood, but I, blood, blood, uh, but I think uh, the most uh, promising uh, avenue is uh, related to uh, gene therapy. And uh, why? Because, uh, well, uh, uh, you, Nina, and you, Marion, uh, you can expect to live a maximum of 122 years and nothing more. Uh, uh, we, uh, Nicola and uh, I, we can expect to live 112 years and nothing more. That's already genetic, you know, because you are a woman and we are men. But uh, a mice, even in a best world uh, for mice, uh, paradise for mice, uh, mice will never live more than four years. Uh, but some, uh, uh, some whales, uh, some fish, uh, they can live for centuries. So, and this is uh, uh, genetically, the maximal lifespan is very clearly genetically something uh, uh, in the genes. We cannot change it if we don't change the genes or at least we cannot change it if we don't have uh, something uh, having effect on the working of genes. So gene therapy for me is the best uh, field uh, that we can imagine. And of course, uh, um, with the CRISPR um, research, uh, we are progressing very fast. Uh, but on the other side, uh, at the moment, we still don't know which genes are making even the fact that women are living longer than men. Uh, we still don't know uh, why whales are living so long. And uh, we still don't know why some, uh, in some, uh, let's say the, the last uh, death of the death uh, that we uh, were writing was about uh, the blue zones. Uh, why in some areas there is, all, there is a very, almost certainly a, a genetic comp, uh, aspect for the fact that in some places people are living longer, but we don't know why, what precisely. So it will, it will not be easy, but for me, that's uh, uh, the avenue, uh, the, the, best, uh, the best source of hope. Uh, then maybe to go a little bit further, there is also nanotechnology, but that's not for tomorrow. Uh, what is for tomorrow is all products, uh, metformin, uh, rapamycin, and so on, but it's not going to change a lot. I, I hope, I think, but I hope, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope it will be uh, better, but I don't think it's going to change a lot. And uh, telomeres, it's probably only one aspect. 
uh, yeah, um, and the other things that you were. Uh, uh, well, the the damage repaired by Albert de Grey. Yeah. Yes, that's one one aspect, but yeah. Okay. Partial uh, cellular reprogramming by. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, I. So using uh, stem cells uh, is also very promising, of course, but it's in many cases it's combination with uh, gene therapy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Marion, as a biologist that just came into the field, uh, do you have an opinion about this also? Yes, like uh, Didier say, I think uh, gene therapy are the, I, for me, one of the big uh, way and one of the big uh, topic to to learn more about uh, aging, but uh, maybe like you say, and I want to believe it, it's about the dilution of uh, blood because we're working on. And uh, I think maybe it's one of the big, big uh, door that we can open and see what uh, happened and what we discover. So uh, maybe I would say like maybe a dilution of the blood. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah. We hope so, <laughs> because it would be well. Of course, uh, except if you if you have to use we we once if we know that blood is working, of course we have to find what is the blood uh, that's working. Uh, yes. Okay. And uh, one one question uh, because we are testing things uh, as you are doing in, in rats, and many people are making preclinical uh, tests like uh, with with mice and but we know that in order the the, uh, the 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 therapies arrive the market they need approval from the the, the agencies the state agencies but uh, when we hear about the costs of the uh, clinical trials it's, yeah, totally it's, crazy. It's totally crazy. It's like, I don't know, half a billion dollars. Yes. If you include the three phases of the of the process. So um, uh, have you ever uh, take a, a closer look about the, the costs uh, in order to, to see if they are uh, reasonable? Or uh, because I have the impression that these costs are a barrier uh, to the to the, 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 the organizations entering in the field uh, in order to to have condition to, to do it so that there are just a small pocket of uh, organization who have billions of, of dollars to to make all the the, the, the three phases so uh, this this raises another question uh, that the, the agencies in the world uh, uh, used to, uh, required not only the safety of the of the therapies but also the efficiency of the therapies but uh, the, the the efficiency part is, is usually uh, the most expensive uh, as is the, uh, the especially the third uh, phase of the process so uh, I, I heard some some proposals about uh, that the agencies the state agencies should, uh, demands only the the, the safety uh, issue and not the efficiency in order to uh, lower the the costs. Uh, what do you think about this kind of proposal? And I would like as well to know if you uh, the, 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 what I said uh, earlier. If you already uh, to take a look in the detailed uh, 
uh, information of the clinical trials in order to, to know if they are reasonable or inflated in some way? So this is a, a, a big problem. Yeah, uh, you totally right. Uh, so the situation uh, in the US, yeah, it's uh, like you say, uh, there is uh, sometimes they say that it's, it's even uh, for one, when we, for one new drug on the market, uh, the expense is uh, about uh, $1 billion in uh, average because uh, it's very expensive and because there are many, many, many products who don't go until the, the, the products that, uh, that people can buy. So in average, $1 billion, of course, $1 billion, of course, that's something that Hills <laughs> cannot pay at all, <laughs> uh, not even 1,000. Uh, and that's uh, something that most uh, uh, small companies cannot pay at all. And uh, the situation, that's the situation for the FDA, but the situation for the uh, European uh, medicine, ag uh, medicine Agency is not, uh, it's maybe a little bit better, but not so much better. Uh, and uh, this, this situation, I think that, that the cause number one of the situation is this, uh, um, this so-called uh, precautionary principle but uh, not only uh, precautionary principle for the people who are taking drugs, but also precautionary principle for people who are testing drugs. So uh, um, even if you have one person dying during a phase uh, one, a phase two, or a phase three, uh, it will be um, kind of very, very bad publicity. So, um, and so in the past, there was this uh, uh, absolutely um, well unfair. That's uh, totally totally um, illegal and inhuman situation where people were obliged to be uh, to, to be tested during World War II and uh, even after. But now we are going to another extreme, you know, um, and we should have uh, for people who are well informed. And for P and uh, who are volunteers, it would it should be easier to test uh, things, and this is uh, one very very uh, important problem indeed, and it will not be easy to uh, to change it. Uh, with the COVID situation, um, a few one year ago, I was kind of uh, thinking, no, everything is going faster. So it's great, but it thinks we are going faster, but not really fast enough, even with the COVID-19 situation. So, and I want to say something more because you, you were asking about the FDA situation and testing situation, but for me, there is also, there are also, uh, there, there, there is data everywhere concerning health in uh, when, you, when you are going to uh, your physician or when you are testing something, uh, all the data is now electronic, and uh, but the problem is it's not possible to share it uh, to make big data for science, and this is for uh, for me for us at Hills one major problem, and we plan to have one uh, conference about uh, big data, uh, artificial intelligence, and healthy longevity because all these things are related, you know, um, and also related. Coming back to another part of, the, of your question, 
also related to uh, the questions around patents, private interest, and so on. Because on one side, uh, there are all these, uh, sometimes for me, crazy legislation for privacy. But on the other side, there are also these uh, sometimes crazy legislations about uh, uh, IP, uh, um, about all uh, patents, uh, uh, property laws, uh, non-disclosure agreements, all things making that it's impossible, quasi almost totally impossible to share data even if you want, uh, and a lot more difficult today to share data than it was uh, centuries ago. That's that's crazy. You know when uh, let's say uh, the first the first time uh, people discovered about discovered about cholera, that was because uh, in London or maybe it was not the first time. It was one or two times, but okay. In London, there was one doctor who was checking. Oh yes, there there is a uh, water coming coming from this place, and the people got infected, and he was uh, just using a map and making uh, crosses to let know. Yeah, it's there and there and there. No, it would be impossible because it would be against privacy. You cannot take notes of this. So, once again, uh, for me, a crazy situation where these laws are normally for good goals, but the result is really we cannot share information anymore fast, even for people who uh, accept to take uh, risk, and also even for people who are very sick and who don't have any choice, uh, it's impossible. Yeah, uh, actually our next question were exactly about that <laughs> because Helis is very focused on, on big data and AI and you mentioned it also Nick Bostrom, right? That uh, works uh, with AI. And uh, we wanted to know how these technologies could be applied like in practice to the rejuvenation field. So I think you already kind of answered that. that uh, yes, yes, I, I, yeah. In the best world situation and for me, it's probably easier in a sense to reach uh, there should be there should be and maybe we should propose that to the uh, let's say uh, life extension community to really share data uh, and to make it possible to be used uh, uh, for uh, you know uh, for for healthy longevity at least to have first big data about healthy longevity so that was also maybe i, I go a little bit further you you maybe you know about uh, josh mitteldorf Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so Josh Pitteldorf uh, Hills was also, once again, to me, uh, giving money to uh, support uh, one test uh, on, uh, on, on people to say what they are using uh, uh, for the health and to check for epigenetic blocks. But it's also there since two years. It's uh, because of uh, legal problems, uh, because of uh, what's called in the US uh, IRB, you know, these ethical committees who have the, to give their, inform, their authorization for everything. So one key, uh, let's say one key argument for me is, uh, okay, if I, if I want to drink alcohol, to smoke and uh, to make things, uh, everybody knows it's dangerous, I can do it. I don't have to ask an authorization because I, I, I'm more than 18 years old. Uh, if I want, uh, to uh, give my blood and to take uh, metformin uh, to see if it is going better or not uh, for my health, it's prohibited. And if I want to share the the, the, the data with uh, other people, it's even more prohibited. They, 
de facto and also the, the UOA. And maybe uh, because uh, Marion has been just uh, with me reading a book of uh, Marie Rouart uh, about this question of uh, FDA, maybe you, you have one quote or something like that to give to us uh, or what was uh, in the part. The name? Yeah. The name of the book? Or maybe you can put also the link of the book for uh, that, that it will be on the... On is, the... is that by regulation? Yeah, that by regulation, yes, yes. And it's how a book we were with uh, it. wrote about... Uh, from when is this book? Uh, four, three, four years ago, I think. Yeah? Yes. So, but uh, what you're saying is that uh, even if people want to share their information, they can't. Yes. But uh, yeah. if, even if it's uh, like anonymous, instead of saying Nina uh, has this, I don't know, blood results, I can say a female of 30 years old has these blood results. Do you think that could work? Not so easily, uh, because first there, is, there are two levels of, uh, there, there is one level called pseudonymization and one level called anonymization. And uh, one is, Okay, let's say you are not Nina, but you are number one, two, three. And you are not Nicola, but you are number uh, four, five, six. Okay, but the problem is uh, when I have all data, I can put that together and find you again. So that's not good enough. And when you have total anonymization, the problem is uh, this data is less useful because uh, uh, to know if you... Uh, uh, to know if you blood, for example, is normal or not, I need you, maybe not your sex, I don't know, but certainly your age, you know. So, uh, no, no, it's, uh, it's really uh, impossible. Uh, impossible. Well, okay, probably if I decide to give my data somewhere, okay, probably it's possible. But if a scientist wants to use my data, of course, my data enough uh, alone is not enough, and my data with other, the data of other people, it will be against the law in almost always. Okay, and uh, that there is a subject we we uh, were interested in you knowing your opinion, and it's related with uh, the difference of uh, of attention received by uh, aging process and age-related diseases. Uh, and um, the COVID issue, because uh, the age-related diseases, uh, we uh, who are in the rejuvenation field from some years, we are used to uh, to to be to consider the, the age-related diseases like a, a pandemic, a, a continuous pandemic, uh, we, we, uh, which kills. 110 people every day. 110,000. Yeah, 110,000 people every day. And that amounts to uh, 40 million of people uh, who, who died every year from age-related diseases. So uh, when uh, we hear the, the, the numbers about COVID, uh, we uh, we don't think this uh, this relationship between between uh, cause and effect. So, um, what what do do you think that causes this this discrepancy between the tension between these two uh, health problems? Yeah. I have many things to say about that, but because first, uh, 
first, I think the fact that people were so um, uh, so much involved against COVID-19 is a good thing because, uh, well, COVID, because COVID-19 is first a disease related to age. You know that? Uh, and most people know that. Uh, like uh, the average uh, age of death of people having the COVID-19 and dying of this in uh, Germany, but it's probably the same in uh, other European countries, it's 81. So it's more than the life, uh, than, than the average life expectancy. Uh, so it's uh, a disease strongly related to, to aging and most people who die, they are weak people, old people, sick people, and there was a lot of energy to save these people. So this, for me, this was very positive. Uh, and that's the first aspect. The second aspect is uh, if there was nothing to, to stop the, this disease, we would have uh, uh, in a country, in Belgium, we had uh, about uh, uh, 20,000 more uh, deaths than in normal year, but it's only one tenth of the population who, was, uh, who had the disease. So if it was uh, without any measure to stop it, we would have 200,000 people dead probably. And 200,000 people, it's 2% of the population. So it would be really uh, a bad thing. And in Brazil, I don't know what the situation, but at one moment it was also really a bad thing. So that's first aspect. Also, um, some people in the longevist community uh, are thinking, oh, it's not true, uh, there is nothing there. I, I strongly disagree with that. But I know uh, coming to, to your question, it's true that uh, actually uh, there are less people dying of uh, COVID-19, far less people dying of COVID-19 than from other uh, diseases related to uh, old age. So why are the people so much, uh, uh, let's say, uh, afraid of this? Well, first, that's because it's unknown. And also, I think that there is the, what's called the status quo bias. So uh, aging, we are, um, uh, how do you say that in English? We are uh, habitué, uh, we are- uh, Use it. <laughs> uh, used to it. We are used to it. Yes, uh, aging, we are used to it. And uh, um, this new COVID-19, we are not used. So status quo bias. Uh, yeah, that's probably uh, the more, well, status quo bias plus the fact that people didn't know how bad it would it could be, uh, and still we don't know because there could be a, a new uh, new variant of the disease is killing more people. Uh, that's the two aspects. But what is for me the disappointment is that uh, I was hoping that after a while people would fight. Uh, COVID and aging in general, and this is uh, until now not coming. That's still my hope. Still, uh, the work that uh, the longevist community is very clearly uh, doing, trying to convince people, but it's not working at the moment. Okay, uh, we, in fact, we uh, asked all the questions we would like to ask you, and uh, we think it's important to to. To give you a, a context of, of Helios, the, your work, and uh, in fact, the, 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 the main subject uh, we would like to approach in this, in this, in this interview is the, the, the partial results of the experiments with rats, and uh, because uh, it was uh, a bit um, 
unusual uh, in the in the field, as I as I understand this cooperation between the three branches of the the the, the, the funding, like uh, Rodolfo uh, works in a state uh, university in Argentina, and Hillis is an NGO okay, from Belgium. Yeah and Harut Kacher uh, runs a, a private company. Uh, so I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that, he, that uh, um, Rodolfo was working in the State University. That's, uh, that's great for me. I, I didn't know. I, I wasn't, well, you know, uh, the universities in Belgium are complicated uh, and some they are from the state, some not. I, I didn't know for Argentina. Uh, good, good, yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, it's a bit unusual see that uh, cooperation between and, and, and openness, as you said, uh, they are going to publish the results. And uh, this is, is a bit rare in the regulation field because uh, the, the, the dynamics, the economic dynamics. So uh, that, that's why we wanted to, to give uh, this uh, partial uh, update oh, yeah. for the public. So uh, would you like to, to make some um, maybe final comments about uh, that, that, that experiments, that process and, and what we talked about? Yeah, so uh, like you said, uh, uh, for, for us, the important thing is not only, well, it's important to know where is uh, working on this, but the important thing is uh, uh, that the results uh, can be shared with the scientific community uh, to go further after that. And it's great uh, that Harold uh, uh, Katcher was uh, accepting this uh, and it's uh, great, but uh, I would say almost logical uh, also because I, I know Rodolfo Goya is very much involved uh, that, uh, that it's uh, this way also. And uh, I hope in a close future there will be other people, other organizations uh, trying to go further, uh, especially like, uh, uh, especially for uh, tests on uh, animals and maybe tests on people uh, to share uh, more data, to share more information, uh, even if it is for uh, after that to sell things, but it's important uh, that, uh, that we can share. And uh, like I said, uh, to share more, information more also more big data uh, and for this uh, we need uh, more people involved uh, and uh, we need also uh, laws who are more uh, who have a, as a real priority the health of the people and not uh, um, questions uh, related to i would say false privacy uh, so privacy is important when it is uh, to protect uh, you against uh, big companies or even against dictatorial states, uh, but it's not important uh, when uh, you want to share uh, data for health. Mm -hmm. And well, we'll make available for everyone who is watching or listening the Hillis website. Uh, if uh, anyone wants to, to get in contact with you, there, there's your contact information there, right? And, and to support Hillis, uh, people can donate or become members, right? Yes, so, so people can donate, people can be uh, members. And uh, if they want to be uh, only informed, uh, they can also take uh, 
subscription for the uh, the date of the the date of that the newsletter uh, newsletter so like i say always uh, the subscription is free for one century after that you have to pay Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, we want to thank you both for yes. this this interview. Uh, your work is 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 wonderful, and um, we we expect to to make great news from from you uh, from in the, the in the yes in the next months. Uh, fortunately, with uh, red rats, uh, it doesn't take so much time as. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, other... fortunately for us, not fortunately for the yes, <laughs> uh, yes. If in fact, well, but uh, so thank, thank uh, to the to both, and uh, we will see uh, another time. Right? Yes, sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, maybe maybe one more uh, thing for the people who are looking that and say and thinking, oh, these rats are suffering for us. Uh, these rats, uh, if they were in the nature, they would never live. Uh, uh, they would uh, they would have a shorter life. So they they live a, a happy life for rats uh, because yes, I know uh, that there is the, uh, this debate. Yes, and, important uh, that yeah. is a is a lifespan study. So the rats yeah. will be. So uh, we, we are happy if they live longer. Yeah, the rats will be kept alive until until the the end. So that's it, people. Thank you all very much for listening. As I said, I'm Nina. And I'm Nicholas. If you have any questions or suggestions, please send an email to immortalicast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash immortalicast. Uh, if you want, you can become a patron to help us pay the costs of doing this podcast. And if you can become a patron, you can always spread the word uh, about this podcast to people who might be interested. Again, we make episodes in English, Spanish and Portuguese. We are based on Brazil and translated, edited and published some books of the rejuvenation field, such as Ending Aging by Albert de Grey in the Portuguese version and The Abolition of Aging by David Wood also in the Portuguese version. And translated from Spanish into Portuguese the book The Death of Death by Jose Cordeiro and David Wood. All these books can be found in our website ntzplural.com in case you want to know more about them. On our website we also have a page about this podcast with the references of each episode such as the mentioned links. For this go to ntzplural.com slash immortalicast. And any other thing that might be relevant to this episode, we will put there too. So we will continue making these discussions and informative episodes. And let's go towards the future! Let's end aging or die trying! So thank you again and this is the Immortalicast! Bye bye!